Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the FM dial. As we start off another Saturday morning, also our friends out in Garden City, 1240 on the AM dial, KIUL. What's up? Good morning to you. Welcome in. It's another weekend. Halfway through July, we are well beyond the halfway point for 2023. Just to put things into perspective for you, (laughs) we have fairs going on. We're looking at fall season now. We have stores starting to put out fall and Halloween gear. Yeah. Oh, no. Not to put you into the panic mode, just to set the tone for the day. So welcome into it. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. If you want to jump on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines, we have a heck of a show lined up for you this morning, as usual, as we are getting closer to election season, off-season elections. They call it off-season, but we, man, we have a lot of election things to talk about over the next few weeks. We will be having multiple of the mayor's candidates on the program as kind of an introduction for them to talk about themselves a little bit, what got them into these mayor's races, especially here in the city of Wichita, a very hotly contested one with nine candidates on the slate. We have one of those candidates jumping on the show with us today at the bottom of the hour, Julie Rose Stroud. She'll be joining us in studio to talk about uh, her run for the mayor's race and uh, uh, we'll talk about uh, her campaign, her platform, different ideas for the city, what we can do better, and how we can get things back on track. Uh, and let's just be honest, away from the current mayor. Now, we've uh, we've extended the outreach. I don't know that he will come on the program. There's a few of the candidates that we have not heard back from yet uh, for the show. But next week will be the big one. We have three candidates on the show. I want to say, hold on, let me, uh, let me get my little calendar here. There we go. So we have next week, we have Jared Cirillo, we have Lily Wu, and Brian Fry. Some of the uh, um, uh, kind of some of the front runners on the race. So we'll have all of them in studio with us next week. Looking forward to chatting with each and one of them getting into the mayor's race. So we have a lot of that. Here's the thing, 316-721-8255. If you have specific questions that you want us to ask the mayor's candidates, because as you know, what we've done for years on this program is during a race, we'll have as many of the candidates that are willing to come on the program to come on. We'll ask them the exact same questions. We will give them the exact same amount of fair time, and we will let them just lay out their platforms. And then we can discuss later, and you can decide as the voter, as the listener, on whether you like their platform, whether you like their stance, and whether you choose to support them or not. So if you have a specific question that you would like to ask the mayor's candidates, you're more than welcome to do so. And you can let us know about that, so that way we can put it on the list. Now, here's we're going to cover mostly the major issues, as usual, the uh, the platform for the candidate. We'll talk about some crime in the city. We'll talk about the food deserts. I know that's a hot topic on the show uh, quite a bit as well. Entertainment, property taxes, local taxes, regulations, make sure we don't do anything stupid like we did during COVID again. You know, just kind of the general sum up, uh, summation of uh, the major topics of the day. But if you have anything else, we'd love to hear from you. I'm sure that the question will come up about, I don't know, pickleball courts or something. 
with mass, <laughs> massive amounts of money being spent on that. We'll have to see. We'll see how the conversation flows with each one of the candidates. So we have all that. Coming up also, bottom of the next hour, Laura Rainwater. Now, we did not do the interview with Laura. However, uh, our morning show host, Jeff Aiken, with Wake Up of Wichita, which you can hear weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m., sat down and chatted with her about the upcoming election and the Sedgwick County Election Commissioner getting prepared for election season. Is she ready and what's it going to look like? We'll play that interview coming up at the bottom of next hour as well. So that being said, we have a heck of a lot to talk about. We have some statewide issues. We have, of course, some national issues if you want to jump on because apparently uh, the Secret Service and FBI lied to us regarding the cocaine investigation, saying that they've closed the investigation. They don't know who it is. They don't have any fingerprints. They don't have any leads. When one of the senior Secret Service agents had said early on that apparently they did have a fingerprint. So which story is accurate? We're not quite sure. The party rages on and continues on in the White House, and we still don't know um, who brought in the coat. Well, I mean, we do, but we don't, theoretically. So we can't any make any assumptions, I guess. But we have a general idea of how things are going there. So we have that story. We have, uh, obviously, the extreme heat. I did love the story of the news at the top of the hour, if you were listening to it. The, it's so hot that everybody's just dying. We can't handle the extreme heat right now. Which I, I get. I get. Trust me, I get it. It's very warm outside. And you know me. I'm not a fan of the extreme heat. It drives me nuts. And actually, a couple of days ago, what was it, on Wednesday? One of the really hot days when it was like 98 degrees or whatever it was. I got done with the show, got done with the radio studio. I left. I had to drive down to Derby for a meeting. Then I had to drive from Derby all the way to Hutchinson. So I went from like one corner to another. And in the middle of that, my car felt like just dying. Now, for those that don't know, yes, I I still have my my hoopty, as Dave Ramsey likes to call it, my piece of junk car as we do the Dave Ramsey paying off debts, trying to get uh, under control not have a car payment. so But I think I need to upgrade relatively soon because it wasn't that it was overheating. It was just shutting off in the middle of driving. Just boop, done. It would just shut off, and I would just coast to a stop. I'd have to let it cool down for a minute and then restart it. I just got it back. I think it was a sensor. I think we're good to go. The point being, though, was I understand a little bit of that heat because I was driving, and it would shut off. Now, my car does not have air conditioning. It didn't even before it started acting up. It just doesn't have air conditioning. So my only way to cool down, which is the old natural way, is rolling down the window and driving really fast. When you're stagnant sitting in a car and off to the side of the road, not the most pleasant thing. Now, that doesn't even compare in comparison to the ones that actually work outside all day long, the construction workers and the oil rig workers and everybody, the farmers that are actually out there on a daily basis. So I'm not trying to compare my measly little situation to theirs that are out there on a daily basis. But hopefully by that time, you're somewhat adjusted and can actually prepare appropriately. I was not. I was not prepared for that. So it's warm. Here's the kicker, though. It's summertime. I know. Wild concept wild concept we're breaking records for temperatures we're breaking records compared to what we have measured we're not breaking records to what happened a thousand years ago so shut up it's stupid this whole global warming thing even if it is warming it's something that's just going to happen anyways because guess what the world runs in cycles and it's summertime which means it's going to be hot and in fact i don't know why we're complaining about the heat right now this year because we've had it relatively nice until the middle of july for the first time when we actually started reaching the high 90s and almost into the triple digits around this area if you remember the last two years three years we hit this stuff like middle of June 
and it was dry and it wasn't raining and we wouldn't get any precipitation to cool things off a little bit and keep things somewhat lively. And we had fires all over the place and it was hitting the high 90s June. So we're a month behind now, which means we're going to have a shorter amount of time where it's extremely hot. So I'm not going to complain. I enjoy every bit of temperature, whatever it may be, even though personally I cannot wait for the wintertime when it's 25 degrees outside and I still walk outside in my T-shirt and shorts. That is my ideal temperatures, but uh, I will enjoy the summertime and get my tan on and not glow in the dark any longer as much as I possibly can as well. There we go. That's my little global warming spiel for the day. 316-721-8255. We have a lot to get to. Also, the state of Kansas apparently has a new um, recognition if we want to call it that, as Kansas Governor Laura Kelly, our lovely Democrat governor who has called herself the education governor since the time she's gotten into office, hasn't really done anything educational-wise other than just say that we need to spend more money in education that has not raised graduation rates, that has not raised the standard of, of K-12 through education, that has not actually increased the, qualif- or the, uh, the, the curriculums, in the state, we haven't really done any of that. We've just thrown more money at the problem to see if that's going to solve it. But she calls herself the education governor. Well, now apparently that's resonated in the realm of politics on the national level as she has officially been elected to serve as the chair for the Education Commission of the States in the latest, uh, for the next two years between 2023 and 2025. The bipartisan group of commissioners. According to WIBW, from each state voted during the annual National Forum of Education Policy that was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And she uh, says that she will continue her commitment uh, to be the education governor. She elevates Kansas to this new national leadership role, saying, quote, I'm looking forward to working with ECS to continue its legacy as a key partner for education leaders across the country. The organization has been absolutely invaluable to me and my team, and I want to be a champion for it by leading it to the next chapter. All right. That's the case. I'm not quite sure what she's done for the education system other than tell us to throw more money at it. And this last year, she actually got a little pushback from the teachers unions for signing the bill that didn't quite give all the money they wanted to, especially when it came to special education across the state. While we have the Kansas City School District We have the Shawnee and Olathe School Districts. We have the Wichita School District here. We had them sitting on record amounts of safety net or rainy day funds, like millions upon millions of dollars, record amounts of money sitting in there. And then they continue to sue us with our own taxpayer money to say they don't have enough money. And she's just like, give them the money. Not solving anything, just throwing money at the problem. And that apparently makes you a good education governor. I find that quite intriguing. But congratulations to her, I guess, as she's now been the head of the Education Commission of the state, leading and setting the tone for education, not just in the state of Kansas, but nationwide. That is kind of kind of strange. Kind of strange. But what do you do? Let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm fine. Um... I well, I heard that that uh, uh, that Hunter Biden was walking around the White House asking, "Had anyone seen a little bag of these sugar, <laughs> this little sugar bag?" Yeah, a little, anyway, little sugar bag. There we are. Yeah. I'm wondering. Hey, you know, they the, but they found it on the weekend when they weren't there. So that means we don't know when it was put there, but they found it when they weren't there. So it must not be the Biden tripe. Yes. Now, yeah. getting to the real story, that's uh, that's the mayor. 
I think it's going to be a three-person race. I know there's only going to two be on the ballot uh, in November, <clears throat> but, but I believe it's going to be Lily Wu, Brian Fry, and the toilet paper guy, what's his name, Brandon Whipple? Oh, yeah, that Mr. guy. Whipple. Yeah. The guy that needs a, uh, a dumpster rented for his house to, to uh, take care of some stuff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's the right. guy that says, oh, you know who I am, don't you? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, that is good. Anyway. So out of those, so your prediction, I know this is going to be a tough one, but out of those three, obviously, since only two can go to the uh, general election, do you have a prediction on who those two may be out of those three? Well, <clears throat> I'm hoping it'll be Lily Wu and Brian Fry, but I'm afraid it's going to be the Brandon Whipple and uh, either Lily Wu or uh, Brian Fry. And I would say this. Just from the person on the outside, just Lily Wu has really been coming on strong. I mean, she was almost an unknown as far as politically, but she has been coming on strong. She has actually been saying what people want to hear. Yeah, she uh, definitely came out as one of the wild cards, which is very fascinating. I mean, and we said this many times on the program that when she came out, coming from the media with KWCH News, I... You know, figured that she was probably center left slightly, but came out right out of the gate having an endorsement from Republican elected officials around here. She's also been endorsed by the Americans for Prosperity. Uh, so there's there she's. I saw her as kind of the wild card that shook up the system. Now and that's not saying the other candidates won't as well. I mean, Julie Rose Stroud will be in here in about ten minutes, and we'll have her on the show, and looking forward to getting her opinion as well. But when it comes to quote unquote front runners, although I haven't seen the polls, I don't know exactly where people stand. There, uh, you're right. Brian Fry and Lily Wu have been ones that, at least uh, from the realms that I have talked to individuals, have been the ones that get talked about the most. And I, I don't know. It, it will be a very fascinating election to see how this all plays out. Uh, the number one thing is I want them to do something about the homeless, and uh, I want them okay. to do something about the, about the. Listen, I know it tugs at your heart, but the deal of it is, come on now. Um, I just passed. Well, I was out driving a few minutes ago, and I just passed a normal-looking guy, about 23, with a sign, you know, give me money. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that guy. Why doesn't he just walk down to the McDonald's or across the street to McDonald's? They're they're wanting people to work for them. But Wichita, and, and another thing is, it's not only Wichita, it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's also Oklahoma City because I saw in the national news about the homeless in Oklahoma City, so I looked it up, and yes, and then I checked on my dear old Tulsa, and they're having... So anyway, there's one hell of a problem in the United States of people just not wanting to work and just getting a shopping cart and going up and down the street. There are still record jobs available right now, entry-level positions, like you said, fast food restaurants, bartenders, waitresses, and... And waiters, I mean, you're right, there are plenty of jobs. So the homeless population, the ones that are out begging for, for money, you're right, there is an opportunity to make, you know, not make a hundred grand, you know, walking in, but being able to actually make a paycheck and and start getting back on their feet. You're right. So I'm glad you mentioned that because looking at the that I'm gonna be asking again the exact same questions to all of the candidates. And uh, I'm I did not have that one on my list. So I'm glad you mentioned that with the homelessness. So right now, and let me know what what we think here with our master list for the mayoral candidates. We have crime, we have the food deserts, we have property taxes and local taxes, regulations, 
homelessness, and entertainment in the area. I think we've covered the gamut here pretty much, haven't we? Yeah, yes, we have. And I would be for um, a homeless guy gets past me knocking on my window. <laughs> but anyway, Andy, I would, that's not even a joke. Andy, I would say Lily Wu and Brandon uh, and Brian, rather, Lily Wu and Brandon Whipple. If if I was going to give, but I do think that Brian Fry is one hell of a good man, and I think it would be great if he would get in also. Well, it's very interesting. I love it, Frederick. Real quick before we take a break here, have you had a chance to be able to listen to the new weekend syndicated program? Yes, 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 yes. I like it. All right, all right. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, actually, I listened to it on on when you're on the on. On, on the Saturdays uh, instead of on the Sunday. Okay, and, uh, fantastic. On the internet, in other words. Sure, on the but, Facebook. Uh, well, very good. Well, I appreciate that, my friend. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting race. This mayor's race I am looking forward to, and I'm looking forward to kicking off the campaign discussions with Julie Rose Strout here in just a few minutes. Frederick, I appreciate it, my friend. we got to take a break here very much. 316-721-8255 on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. would love to hear from you. Your thoughts on the topics we need to cover with the candidates and as we continue on with the predictions of moving forward. Lots more coming up on the program as we start off a brand new weekend. Stay here. You couldn't find your peace within the bitterness that burns. Twenty-six minutes past the hour here on Candace Talk. Welcome into it. Happy Saturday morning to you. It's a what a beautiful morning. I, <laughs> I love the the terror, the panic that ensued last night with the potential storm that rolled through. I don't know in the afternoon-ish drive time home, and it rained really hard for about ten minutes, and that was about it. That was about it. Which we need. I mean, bring it on. I will take the rain any day of the week. Let it rain. Let it rain. And I still say, even all the years that I've been out here in Kansas. The most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life is a Kansas lightning storm. Absolutely love it. So bring it on. I will take that every day of the week. Hey, uh, looking at some of these, I still chuckle a bit this this education commission that Kansas Governor Laura Kelly is now the chair of uh, for the states across the nation. I don't know what that entails. I don't know what her duties will be for something like that. But okay, just as a reminder, she is the one still battling the Senate Bill 180 on the Women's Bill of Rights that essentially says we need to know your biological sex for like state purposes and therefore we need to have documents that reflect your biological sex at birth because that's how we can properly identify you as the government, you know, for tax purposes or for whatever, for medical purposes, for statistical purposes. And uh, the governor apparently is fighting back. She's joining with the ACLU. In challenging this, now for those that may not have followed this over the last week, a judge has uh, confirmed with uh, A.G. Kobach to freeze any type of gender changes on state-issued IDs like state driver's license until, at least for two weeks, a suspension of it for two weeks until the first hearing to decide where this is going to move forward. Now, we read the bill, we read the details of the bill and what this actually means and why this commonsensically 
means that you cannot change your gender on your state driver's license just because, well, hey, if you're a woman or a man, we need to know that for medical purposes. We need to know that for uh, IRS purposes or tax purposes. We need to know that for whatever reason the government needs to know who we are, which, as you know, we don't really care for the government wanting to know our personal details, but it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not that challenging to decide what gender you are, uh, and it's not that hard to figure that out when the government uh, needs to know certain information from you. But the governor saying that the, the bill, again, does not specifically say that they can't change the gender on the state driver's license. And therefore, there is no need to stop that process, which has led to A.G. Kobach suing the Department of Revenue to freeze it. And the state court has, or at least a judge, has suspended that process for at least the next two weeks until that open hearing. We'll see how this moves forward. If we have any rationale in our court system at all, this would be a very easy decision for them to make. Now, we know it's going to be challenged as a whole, saying that this is, quote-unquote, discriminatory against the LGBTQ community, which it's not. I don't care how you identify. Feel however you want to. Good for you. I applaud you on the back. Whatever makes you feel comfortable. But for us to function in society, it's a very simple uh, idea to understand how um, to identify an individual if we need to do so. We don't need men going into uh, rescue homes for women who have been abused and raped and so on and so forth with dudes being in there. Just that fact of a guy being there could be triggering for a woman, yet apparently we don't care about women any longer. So it's a weird battle that we're having. It's the fact that we've even had to have this discussion blows my mind, breaks my brain. And makes me lose a little bit of faith in humanity. But nonetheless, we are there. And uh, we'll leave at least frozen that procedure for the next two weeks. We'll see how it goes beyond that one. I'm sure that we'll see more challenges on this one. Even coming from the federal government trying to wiggle their way into the conversation. Because this is another big hit from the other side of the aisle. When we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll get back to the local races here. The Wichita mayoral race is the first candidate on the docket for us here on Kansas Talk. We'll have Julie Rose Stroud in studio with us for a little bit to talk about her platform, what's going on, and a heck of a lot more, plus your phone calls as well. Lots more coming up. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM, stay here. to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome back into the program. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 KQAM. Also our friends out in Garden City, Kansas at 1240 KIUL. Appreciate you hanging out with us today. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We'd love to hear from you. I don't want to waste any time. I want to shift into our update now. This is, is this the right one? Hold we on. built this well, I don't want to use that one. That's not the right one. Let's use our election sounder, although this is a little bit old. It's time to meet the candidate. Hey, the government works for us, not the other way around. Elections 2022. It's not elections 2022, but it is our election coverage as our very first candidate's actually in studio to talk about the Wichita mayor's race. As you know, a big slate of candidates uh, across the city with nine different candidates running in. So, in studio with us, the very first candidate to chat with us here on the program with Candace Talk, Julie Rose Stroud. Julie, how are you today? I'm great. Good. It's good to have you on the program. Uh, first off, for those that may not know who you are, talk about your background. Obviously, coming from originally from Wichita, which is impressive. I think a lot of people are kind of transplants in the area here, but 
you talk about your background a little bit and kind of your background in, in work and what got you into this race to run for Wichita mayor? I was born and raised here. Okay. I graduated from West High. Very cool. I went to Butler and also Wichita State University. Okay. I graduated from Wichita State University with the Bachelor's of Science in Biological Sciences. Biological Sciences. That's fun. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And I've had different jobs all throughout working through college, mainly fast food, retail. Sure. And after graduating, I spent time actually as a custodian at Wichita State University because I couldn't find a job with my degree. Sure, sure. And then eventually I ended up, I did, I was a mail carrier for a while for the U.S. Postal Service. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up entering a program for teaching and I taught at USD 259 High School. I did biology and they asked me to do environmental science. So in college, my background was mainly on molecular immunology, genetics, and things like that. That's what Ooh, I focus on. Okay. And neuroendocrinology. And I wasn't really too hot on the environmental side. Sure. Until I got into teaching it. And what I realized was that other than what the book said, I had no real background information to give them no industry knowledge and i just felt that there was something else more into the world that was for me to do sure and so i actually wanted to become an environmental attorney i applied to law school i got accepted to law school but at the time the my personal situation with family and the money that would be required i decided not to go with it sure and instead, I took a position with the city of Wichita in the drinking water laboratory. Mm. So I did chemistry, bio, bio, biological assays, ensuring that the water was in compliance with the federal and state rules and regulations and that, you know, it's safe to drink. Interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. So I have to ask you a question on that front then, since you test a lot of the water. What is the purpose or do you agree with having fluoride in drinking water? I don't think we should have fluoride in drinking Thank water. You. Yes. Thank you. Okay. What is the purpose? What is the the explanation of the reasoning why they say they put it in there? For your teeth, right? But that's why. So they're trying to give us a health benefit from our water just by putting it in there? Not to like eliminate anything bad, but just to like add a benefit of some kind of like strengthening teeth? You know what? Don't quote me on it, but I know that's one of the reasons. That is one of the reasons. Actually, is it all of them? I'm not sure. It well, could be other benefits or... There reasoning. could be, yeah, but I'm right there with you. So I, I live just outside of the city, and our city gave us a letter of, like, the, the water they tested to show that it's in compliance and, like, what the latest study was. And that was the reasoning that they gave on the letter was for the fluoride for its use for strengthening teeth. Mm -hmm. And I found that fascinating why the government feels like they need to strengthen my teeth for me. Right. I find that strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't think it should be in the water. Um, if you want that done, go to your dentist, right? Yeah, exactly. Get a good toothpaste. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm glad you mentioned that. That is that's fascinating. So you've seen kind of behind the scenes on the administrative side of um, ensuring that the drinking water is good. Are, is that where you're still at right now? No. Okay. So uh, when during the city of Wichita, yeah, I definitely got a sense of how city government works and the different levels. And I actually ended up getting, I won an essay contest. They're, they wanted to take a young professional to Washington, D.C. to lobby on Capitol Hill okay. for water infrastructure funding and the 2018 Farm Bill. And so 
that was right up my alley, you know, in law and environmental protection and everything and just getting involved in government. Sure. So I wrote the essay. They selected me. I flew out. I participated in that event. Uh, fortunately, we have the funding for the water treatment plant from the and the 2018 Farm Bill enabled us to have industrial hemp here. So eventually I ended up leaving city of Wichita, actually, and that was due to they didn't want me to become the chemist. So, I mean, that <laughs> happened. You know, they hired somebody with a master's degree in chemistry. Sure. So I felt that I had to go somewhere else to further my development in my career, and so I did. Eventually I ended up, I did insurance sales for a while. I checked that out doing sales. I was pretty good at it, but just the unknown of, how much money you might make, it kind of, I didn't like it. Sure. You know? Sure. At the time. And so then I ended up, and I was really missing out that aspect of just helping people and protecting and the environmental. So when I worked at the city of Wichita, what I, they had a lot of construction going on at the, in the, in the well, the lab and the, the treatment plant. Sure. And I was concerned with, the practices that were going on and I wanted to ensure that because of my background and the education that I do have in biology and chemistry and I understand the implications that certain things and can have on your body and how certain practices can be unhealthy and environmental exposures and what they can do to you. Sure. And so I wanted to, because I knew that I felt like it was my duty to ensure that everyone was protected. And I realized that I had a passion for protecting other people and I wanted to go into environmental health and safety, which is essentially ensuring that we're doing the right thing for the environment, different industries, but then also the people who work there are healthy and safe and protected. Yeah. And so at that moment, I started applying for different environmental health and safety positions. I didn't get anywhere because they want you to have experience in environmental health and safety I was fortunate to get accepted by the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. So I became an environmental compliance regulatory specialist and I inspected different facilities to ensure they were in compliance with federal and state rules and regulations. And I worked with different facilities. I, if they had complaints around the city, because. Yeah. Um, Are you part of the investigation of what's going on with the, the soil and portions of the city right now that KDHE is looking at from that? Or that chemical spill back in the 70s? I know it's caused a lot of issues. Are you, are you involved in any of that type of investigation right now? Currently, I am not because I don't work for Kansas Department of Health and Environment. Okay. But I have reviewed all of the... the I did a Kansas Open Record Act search. Oh, okay. So okay. I've rever reviewed a lot of those different records. Um, and so I've kept up with what's going on but I do not represent the Kansas Department of Health and Environment in any way. Sure, sure. It is a fascinating study to watch them and, uh, and how they're treating this one and the sickness. I mean, you've, you've seen kind of the environmental impact that it's had on individuals from that spill, and it seems like there has been a a showing of an increase of illnesses or cancer or early deaths and that sort of stuff from people that have lived around that area, haven't? hasn't there? Right. Yeah, I think it's... Pretty fascinating. It almost sounds like you've kind of gone down the road of like a, a Robert F. Kennedy, kind of what he's done with the environmental practices, uh, which leads to uh, if you become mayor, talk about the platform. What would you want to focus on if you became mayor for the city of Wichita? Would it be some of those environmental practices? Would it be those health focuses? What would you like to do? 
Definitely. I would want to make sure that we're doing the right thing in terms of the environment and then also the health. And I mean, if you're asking me specifically with that situation, if it was up to me and there was no, I, I would, the people who are living in that area should have an alternative. If they, you know, I mean, I feel like if they did not, were not, aware of the hazards involved with the spill at the time and now and they became aware of it yeah first of all we should have made them aware of it and then we i feel like we should have done the remediation should have happened a lot quicker than sure it has over the years but i would give them options of i mean imagine if you were in that area living there you had no clue and you're yeah. being exposed, potentially exposed to those substances. Not only being exposed, but then the gardens that they try to grow and, you know, just the food that they have in their backyards, which is encouraged, I think, by most people, of, especially with some of the food deserts we have in the area, having the opportunity to grow a garden, make your own food, be more independent, then realize that all of that garden is growing in soil that's been contaminated from something that happened 50 years ago and no one was told about it. Right. Like, that's that's... I, I can't fathom that kind of situation right now. I don't know how those individuals are going through that. That's terrible. Right. Yeah. It is sad. Uh, on the same front, we obviously are coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. From your thoughts, working with the KDHE, working in the health and environmental sciences areas, um, do you think the city handled COVID appropriately with how we um, how, how we handled some things? And if a pandemic like that would happen again, um, what would you do in that situation as mayor? a really good question <laughs> so uh you know at kdhe they allowed us to do a lot of working from home and a lot of the in-person businesses that we had if we had to go in person we put that off until a later time sure and of course they required us to wear masks and you know it was what was recommended right right and so we followed what was recommended and so I think that what I would do and would definitely just understand it from the facts of the situation, the science, also taking in what's recommended and the how our city functions sure. and try my best to develop a plan that works best for keeping us healthy, but then also ensuring business is not impacted. Sure. I agree. It's a, it, it's, it's a tough situation, I think, for a lot of those leaders, and I know they handled it in their own ways, depending on people agreed or disagreed. Uh, we got a couple more minutes here, but I want to rapid fire a couple other issues and, uh, and get your thoughts on them. But there has been an increase of homelessness in the area, not just in Wichita, but really all over the country with, with larger cities. I know that uh, current mayor, Brandon Whipple, says that he's uh, trying to address the issue right now. But your thoughts, if you were mayor, what could we do, do you think, to try to address the homeless here in the city of Wichita? Definitely more social. I, I want to, the programs that they have in place, which was huge with the nonprofit, I, I would like to see that continue. Yeah. You know, I'm not big on just stopping things. Like, it should continue. We should go through with it. I think that we need to put more measures in place and goals and really ensure that what we are wanting the outcome to be, that we have goals and, again, measurements in place to ensure that we're on track. 
in all those directions. And the more markers we have to measure that, the better able we are to really assess how we did in the long run. And then on the other side of it is I believe in way more on prevention, Mm -hmm. like preventative versus reactive. And I think that the drug situation that we have, the fentanyl crisis is a huge thing. And I think that focusing on bettering our education and trying our best as a city to support our, you know, the state and government, you know, I mean, in terms of our students and our children and our youth and also social and, you know, support and mental health services. And I feel that we should push for legalization of medical marijuana and uh, recreational marijuana. And we should utilize the taxes from that to improve our social services and uh, mental health and the school system. There is a there's a strong argument that I've heard from individuals saying that if we went down that road of legalization medically or even medis- uh, recreationally, that uh, that would help even curb some of the fentanyl issues instead of buying things on the back market. We know where it was grown and where it's being sold. and We can track those a little bit easier um, to try and, like you said, do the education to get rid of a black market, bring it into the mainstream and be able to help curb out some of that fentanyl. Would you agree that would help that issue? I agree that I mean, you make a valid point. I would say that. And uh, I don't know. It's just. It's something, I mean, we're kind of sandwiched in in between a bunch of states that have legalized it already, right? We have Colorado, we have Missouri, we have Oklahoma that's essentially legalized. Um, But yet we're, it's, we're either going to have to beef up law enforcement to stop it, or we're going to have to find a way to mainstream it and bring it into the uh, into the state of Kansas and the city. So I guess we'll see what direction they choose to go, right? Definitely. I love it. Last question for you, but uh, when it comes to food deserts, I know we've gotten a lot of calls from listeners regarding food deserts in certain portions of the city uh, because of either crime rates or uh, not sustaining the ability to, as a business or whatever the reason is, but there's a lot of people that have to go to the gas station every day to get food which is troubling to me again. Uh, but do you have an idea? Is, is there a way do you think that we can curb that issue and try and get rid of these food deserts within the city of Wichita? I would definitely want to increase transportation, make that more of a robust and uh, readily available and known, right? And just easier to access for everyone. And And then so, and then make, you know, more gardens and such like that, right? Sure. And growing our food. And I want to get the schools involved so that we have students who are actually learning something mm-hmm. and providing for the, they're using hands-on experience to better our community, right? So they're yeah. benefiting and we're benefiting. And then also get some fish farming going on, some hydroponics maybe because, you know, mm. when it comes to, um, you actually utilize less water when you hydroponic uh, That's interesting. gardening versus with soil. But on top of that, I feel like we need to have other sustainability programs in place. Sure. Like capturing rainwater, especially within our industries who utilize a lot of water for their processes Yeah. and uh, definitely get some infrastructure in there that is more away from fossil fuels. 
Interesting. I haven't. I didn't even think about the hydroponics. That's a that's a great idea that uh, never even crossed my mind about something like that. I love it. It's Julie Rose Stroud, candidate for mayor for the city of Wichita. Uh, how's the campaign going? I know you're talking to some people, you know, as you're out and about. But how do you feel going into the last few weeks before the primary? I feel amazing. It's yeah. going great. It's going strong, and I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. And I want to do the best that I can to help you all and be the mayor of the city of Wichita that we all need and deserve. There we are. Candidate for mayor for the city of Wichita, Julia Rose Stroud. Julie, thank you so much for coming in. Good luck on the campaign. And if you get through the primary, we'll get you back on the show again soon. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it very much. All right, we got to take a break here. Get ready to wrap up hour number one. Great information from the first candidate here on the program. We'll get your thoughts on that when we come back here momentarily. It's Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker. KQAM, stay here. Unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It's hour number two of... Kansas Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 if you have that HD radio on the FM side, and a high definition. I don't know if you want to hear my voice in high definition, though. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but welcome into it. Also, our friends out in Garden City, Kansas, 1240 KIUL. Thanks for joining us this morning as well. Happy Saturday, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again to... Mayoral candidate for the city of Wichita, Julie Rose Stroud. Interesting information for sure. Enjoyed that conversation immensely, and we'll have some more next week with Jared Cirillo and Lily Wu and Brian Fry. The ones that are kind of, sort of, dominating a lot of the headlines. We'll see what they have to say coming up next week. If you have any more questions regarding what you'd like to hear them say, you can give us a call and let us know on that one as well. Bottom of this hour... I did, now, I have to clarify, I did not do the interview for the interview at the bottom of the hour with Laura Rainwater, the election commissioner for Sedgwick County. I did not do the interview. She, We were going to talk with her, but our very own Jeff Aiken with Wake Up Wichita ended up chatting with her just a couple days ago. So we will play that interview for you in case you missed it. Getting set for the elections. This is her first election that she is overseeing after the stepping down of Angela Cadillo, our former Sedgwick County election commission working with the secretary of state's office and getting ready this is a perfect one this is a semi-big important race and then going into the midterms next year i guess not even the midterms the main one the main election with the presidential race that we're going to see next year and it's going to be as donald trump says huge and bigly so are you ready for that one we'll be ready for the big ones and i think we're going to make it bigly so uh, we'll touch on that here a little bit later as well. All right, 316-721-8255. I want to shift gears on as we talk about the role of city government. Obviously, you know, being the federalist that we are, the wicked wild federalist where we believe that the federal government should have way more limited power than what they do right now with the majority of the power being centralized back at the state level. But then even then, the state government saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't get involved in certain issues. Let's bring it down to the county level or even bring it down to the city level then the city government deciding whether they actually have control over a situation or whether they should be pawning it off to say hey you know what people figure it out yourselves because we're not here to be an overbearing utopian fascist nation 
I mean, that's a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but you get my point. Uh, the state, the city government, while I think the majority of the power should be centralized back at that level, making these elections all the more important for us, should also make a decision on whether we we should have the power ourselves as the individual to make a decision and do what's best for us and our community. Now, I say that because there is another entity of governmental organization which i refuse to ever be in in my entire life and that is a homeowners association i <laughs> i'm sorry i do not care about the homeowners association in any way she perform any of them i just don't care no one and i repeat no one is going to tell me what to do with my home and my yard and with my property it is my property and i will do what i want with my property because you cannot tell me what to do with my property so whatever So if that's the case, uh, I am curious with your thoughts. There was a piece of news that came out this week from here in the city in the Riverside area about a home that was allowing the yard to grow because they had planted wildflowers in their yard in the Riverside neighborhood. And apparently with the wildflowers that were growing, so was obviously the grass. So it was turning into a very tall grassy yard, which uh, I have to admit, okay, so just as a preface here, when this spring first began earlier this year and the lawn for the first time was starting to grow, I I have to admit, I had a very, very difficult, hard time wanting to mow my yard for the very first time. And the reason was because uh, living just outside of the city and actually having a little bit more of a countryside look in my front yard, uh, it was the coolest thing I think I have ever seen. I saw some wildflowers popping up. I saw bees humming around. I saw the insects going from one flower to another, going from one plant to another. And with the ongoing story about how we're having a shortage of bees and bees are dying off at a record level, and if we end up killing off all the bees, then like all of society will die because they can't pollinate things. I it was it was cool because I could literally see what it was like in Kansas before. The settling and the building of houses and the building of residential areas. And I could see what the natural look of a Kansas uh, field looked like. And it was very, very neat. And I, I have to admit, I felt very bad because everybody else had already cut their yards and it was all prim and proper and looking all pretty and nice. And mine was, it wasn't overly tall. It wasn't bad yet, but it was starting to bloom with a lot of stuff. And there were insects all over the place and pollinators all over the place. And I just sat there and watched it. And I kind of found it quite fascinating. And I have to admit, I felt a little sad when I ended up do cutting my yard. And now I don't see those, uh, those creatures around my home any longer. Now, that being said, this new story with Riverside having a home that they wanted to plant wildflowers, do something a little bit different, ended up allowing their stuff to grow, and now it looks a little bit taller. Now, I don't know that I would ever allow my yard to get as tall as what this one looks, solely for the fact that I am absolutely terrified beyond belief of snakes. (laughs) That's why I don't care about anything else. That is my paranoia. That is my fear. I grew up in Colorado. We had bears. We had mountain lions. I had a bear literally outside my bedroom door uh, or my bedroom window uh, waking up a couple of nights because I lived on the uh, floor, the base floor of the house, which was kind of the basement. But in the mountains, when you live on the side of a mountain, it's like you're not really 
uh, on in the basement underground because it's like at the floor level since you're at an angle. So part of the house was, part of the house wasn't. My room was right there on the base floor, and I woke up in the middle of the night because a bear was not five feet away from me on the other side of the wall getting into the trash can. I've had that. We've been outside when we've heard the screeching that sounds like a woman screaming at the top of her lungs that is a mountain lion that has found some type of prey. So, that being said, I'm not afraid of a whole lot of animals growing up in that area and that uh, in, in that environment. However, I do not do snakes. I have a hard time enough walking into the reptilian room at the zoo because I cannot just be around them. I, it, I, I don't know why. It's been since I was a child. I've never been able to be around them. So that sole reason is the only reason why I, I don't allow my yard to grow six feet tall. Other than that... I do not care, and my neighbors may be listening to this program, and I'm sorry, and that that's the whole reason why you have a halfway decent neighbor that mows his yard on a semi-regular basis is because I can't deal with the snakes and really tall grass hiding away from me. Outside of that, I do not care what neighbors or other members of the community think about my yard or what I do with my home. And if you have a problem with it, I will literally plant a toilet in my front yard and sit on that just to make a point because I do not, it is my property and I will do whatever the heck I want to with it. And that's the way I pretty much feel with private property. That being said, this story out of Riverside, apparently the city of Wichita and the Riverside community is stepping in to tell an owner to cut their grass and they have a week to do so uh, because it has gotten so tall that there are complaints from neighbors about it being an eyesore. And they say that it was, Growing up four to five feet tall, whatever. But when they had bought the home, according to the owner, Carrie Tarkman and others, they say that uh, her and her husband bought the property to open up a 1940s-themed women's social club, and they wanted the grassy yard to not be boring. So they planted things like wildflowers in the garden that ended up growing along with the grass in the area and apparently has been a quote-unquote eyesore for other members of the community that are walking down the road. Now, if it were up to me, again, I would say, I don't really care. This is what I'm doing with my yard, period, end of story. You cannot tell me what to do with my property. And that's it. So I ask you the question, is it justified for the city of Wichita or the Riverside community to force a neighbor to cut their yard because they wanted to do something different and grow wildflowers or do whatever they wanted to with it? Or is it... uh, uh, is it okay? Is it uh, appropriate for them to say, well, you may be lowering the value of my home value because of how bad this quote unquote may look or what it may be drawing into the wild grass? Because we do have to look at that other aspect of it is what is it doing to affect the others? Which is why, again, while I feel like I can do whatever I want to with my yard, there's also a level of respect of I'm not going to do something to actually harm your property value by making mine look like absolute trash. I want it to look respectable. I want it to look good, but I also have the right to do whatever I want to with it. So where's that line drawn, and what do you feel with the right of you to be able to do anything in your yard that you so desire, or that line where it's drawn to affect other people's property value in the neighborhood around you because it may not be looking that well? And is it the government's role, either the city of Wichita or the Riverside neighborhood, to say, hey, your yard's too tall and you need to go ahead and cut it because it's a quote-unquote eyesore for the other neighbors and members of the community 
in that area. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts there because I'm already kind of opinionated on this one, so I have a hard judge, uh, a hard way to judge this one, and I don't know if I can judge it appropriately, so I'm going to lean on you to make that decision. 316-721-8255. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. Uh, they have years of experience on appliances, whether the old school stuff that's still cranking and that has reliability or some of that new stuff that has the technology telling you that you're out of carrots in your refrigerator. Nonetheless, oh, by the way, uh, just for the no- words of wisdom, by the way, Mike over at Napoleon Appliance Repair, he hears us talking about him quite a bit. And uh, just to let you know, my ice dispenser started working again. I don't know why. Happened out of a fluke. Don't know why it just randomly stops and starts. If it stops again, I'm calling you over at Napoleon Appliance Repair, which you can give them a call as well at 316-409-1525. 316-409-1525. Let us know, uh, and uh, you can call Napoleon Appliance Repair no matter what type of appliance issues you may have. We're going into the fall season. Right now we're going into the heated season, and therefore your appliances may overheat. Your oven may just get a little too hot. Give them a call. They can take care of it. They can help you out. Napoleon Appliance Repair. Also find them on their Facebook page at Napoleon Appliance Repair LLC on Facebook and give them a call again at 316-409-1525. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get your thoughts on the role of government. Should they tell you what to do with your own property in your own yard? Is it a hazard? Is it a nuisance? Is it an eyesore? Or is it your own damn property and you can do whatever the hell you want to do with your own yard? I'll get your phone calls on that when we come back here. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Minutes past the hour. Welcome back into the program. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK on Kansas Talk. We have a few other issues we need to touch on throughout the program today as well. Speaking of appliances, there is legislation right now being passed out of the House Representatives at the federal level to allow... Imagine this. This is where it comes in with the government regulation, government telling you what to do. The House of Representatives passing a bill trying to protect and allow you... To keep your natural gas ovens and appliances in the state of Kansas, not removing them like we're seeing in the cities of New York and other places in the country, uh, and going to the electric, allowing you to choose the type of appliance that you can have in your home. Does that sound, that sound like a <laughs> sound like a really good uh, way for government to take care of you? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, let's go to the phones here, shall we? 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I got a message on Facebook as well. About hell no to the HOAs, and that building apparently used to be an old fire station. I did not know that. That's very interesting. I do love the idea, by the way, of the owner saying that they wanted to turn it into a 1940s-themed women's social club. I, Riverside is such a beautiful area, and it's like it's like that old-school-looking area, and it's it's just it's neat. It's what it's really cool to watch some of that. So uh, to turn it into that type of social club is awesome. I love the concept that they were going for. Just did the yard get out of hand, and do they need to mow it? And is it the government's role to tell you to mow that because the neighbors don't like what you're doing with your own property? Where's that line drawn? I find that interesting. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? 
Good morning, Andy. It's Nick. Nick, what's going on, brother? How we doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, don't quote me on this, but I think all you need to do to start a third-class city in the state of Kansas is have 300 individual residents and um, a water supply. And so what happens is those 300 individual people get together and they say, here's what we want to do and how we want to run our community. And so, like here uh, where I live, um, there's talk about chickens. There's a group of people that want to have chickens again, and we can't have chickens. Okay. Uh, and so then the question becomes, well, do we allow roosters, da 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 da, da. But the community, uh, you know, gets together and they decide they want to have standards. Now, if you live in the country, then you're a little uh, less regulated or by law, ordinance-wise, uh, by a centralized government thing. So I can see the, the both sides of the story, if you will. It's my property. You just leave me the heck alone. Versus, hey, we're a community. We've agreed to these certain rules, and so we're going to uh, abide by them. Versus being out in the country under the full uh, umbrella of the sheriff, who can set the tone however he wants to, with whatever law he wants to. Sure. But um, it is a good conversation, definitely. And and you know, uh, I, I have to always say about the cannabis thing, regardless of whether you're in the city, the country or wherever, if you're not putting in a laboratory and making it synthetic, I think that the government should just back the heck off of that issue. So mm, That's an interesting one. You're right. And maybe it's because I did grow up, for the most part of my life, I grew up in rural communities. As a kid, I grew up on an 80-acre farm. It wasn't even really a farm. It was just I. we had a field and we had woods and we had a river, and I would just disappear and do my own thing. And look, and we kept our yard prim and proper, and it would take two riding lawnmowers, eight hours, to go and mow the entire yard that we had because it was so big. And we would do that about on a weekly basis. And that's just the way I grew up. And I and we took care of it. At the same time, if we chose not to do that, we didn't have any neighbors complaining about it because it would be our own. So we had to hold up our own standard of what we thought was appropriate. And we thought that that was appropriate by keeping it maintained because it really kind of is. So you're right. It, it brings up an interesting conversation. Is when you move from that kind of idea into a city or a community where they're like, all right, now all the neighbors live uh, really close together, and now we all kind of hold a certain standard here. Where's that line drawn between, well, yeah, I'm here with the community to do things and make sure the community looks good as well so I don't lower the property value of my neighbor because I don't want to do that. At the same time, leave me the hell alone because I want to do my own thing. Uh, I, It's a tricky line to draw, I think, right there. Well, as long as you're being consistent in the application, so we have some people that go along and uh, a code enforcement officer checking the length of the grass and the sidewalks and, and everything and uh, disabled vehicles and whatnot. But where we got into trouble a little bit is where some people like the good old boy network, they might be uh, not best with where somebody on another part of town, they might be, uh, hey, you need to get that vehicle out of the, the deal. So as long as it's consistently applied, community standards through ordinances and regulations and and friendly neighborhood talk maybe not an association like you're talking about i, I don't agree with that i would i wouldn't mess around with that either but in the context of, of community uh, i think we we all you know we have an agreed set of rules and and, and we should we should follow them now uh, of course with anything if there's no enforcement there's no law so 
then there's that uh, can of worms as well. But always good talking to you, Andy. Yeah, Thank you, you as well. You have a good day. Uh, hey, last last question for you. I think we can all admit here and agree, I, unless someone disagrees with you, you're more than welcome to call it 316-721-8255. But I got to agree. Uh, the worst type of government entity, do you think, is a homeowners association? You think that's the worst? <laughs> Well, I don't know about the worst. I would say uh, anything that uh, gets us to fascism or socialism, any kind of communism, Marxist stuff would be the worst. But, um, yeah, I'll go ahead and agree with you there. All right. All right. There we go. Nick, I appreciate it very much, my friend. The worst government. Maybe that's the question I need to ask. And uh, I, I, we should do a poll on the program, our own Candace Talk poll, is the worst government entity. Is it the federal government or a homeowners association? Which one's worst? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to call from these heads of these homeowners associations to be like, you're being mean to us and we're going to like come after you. Bring it on, baby. I don't really care. 316-721-8255. Or maybe unions. Maybe unions is another government entity that's just completely unnecessary, public or private. Get the hell out of the way. Uh, it sounds like, by the way, it's an update for those that may not have heard, but we did apparently come to an agreement with the uh, Spirit Aerosystems um, uh, protest and the uh, uh, lack of agreeing on to a contract with the Machinist Union and Spirit Aerosystems. They did come to their agreement back at work doing their thing. Uh, they just had to pause it for a couple of days, I guess. And I, I guess that's what made them feel good to think that that was appropriate and that it worked. I still question the fact that you were getting a 17% increase in your salary and a 15 to 17% increase in your benefits and your retirement and uh, investment options with the company and that sort of thing, and additional benefits on top of that as well with sign-on bonuses and healthcare stuff and other issues, and they still felt like it wasn't good enough. I don't know another industry, and I said this before, I don't know another industry that got a 17% bump in pay. Now, we've looked at the inflation rate across the nation uh, by administration. Joe Biden, we're sitting... Pretty high up on that totem pole, about 15 to 20% over the last three years under his administration. I don't know anybody that's gotten that type of pay raise to counter that type of inflation that we've seen. Because while they're praising themselves, saying, oh, it's about a 4% in inflation rate for the last month, it's doing really good, it's back to normal. That's on top of the 9% that we saw this time last year. That's on top of the 5%, 6% that we saw on top of that the year prior. Every year that's going up, that's just not from ground zero and it's, oh, it's back up only at 4% now. No, that's on top of the three-year reign that we have under the Biden administration. We're sitting at 15 to 20% inflation. Have you gotten a 20% pay raise? Have you gotten a 20% bump in pay to try and compensate for that, for you to live your life and pay for your bills and bring food to the table for your family like you need to? I doubt you have. And the fact that the spirit workers almost got about that with a 17% pay increase means you've been able to almost compensate for the Biden inflation economy. That's pretty darn good because no one else has been able to do that. So I pat you on the back for getting that. And uh, by the way, it was also pre-approved by the union before they took it to a vote uh, from the individuals that were members of that union. So you have that one as well. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit. We'll get back to the race here in the city of Wichita. We'll talk with uh, Laura Rainwater. She's the Central County Election Commissioner going into her first election season. Now, we've talked many times with the Secretary of State on how the elections could fare out this year and being prepared for them. We'll see how our newly elected commissioner in the area is prepared for this election as well. Plus, we'll get your phone calls 
on the home stretch. The last little bit of the program here for a Saturday morning. It's Candace Talk right here on Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Lots more to get to. Stay right here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it on the home stretch here, last half hour of the program. You can find us, by the way, on our live video streams on Facebook.com slash 1480KQAM. You can see it there. We share it out on our personal page as well. Just a reminder for you, you can also tune in later on this weekend for our nationally syndicated weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. It's a big show lined up today, too. Holy cow going to be a f- uh, fun one. So uh, we have two, three guests, really. We have uh, Thrive Life. Anybody remember Thrive Life? Uh, one of the uh, quote-unquote prepping uh, services with dried out foods that you can store and stock up. We have them on the program. Also, Chris Clem. He is a former uh, uh, border security chief, as you know, went down to the southern border just a couple of weeks ago with the Americans for Prosperity Foundation and got to tour the border. He was one of our tour guides and got to speak. He's going to be on the show with us for a full hour today and talk about some of the experiences as a Border Patrol chief in the El Paso and Yuma, Texas areas. So super fascinating conversation. Looking forward to chatting with him on our program there. Right now, though, we're hanging out with Candace Talk at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK on the Maximum Outdoor Equipment Hotlines. <laughs> I still see these headlines about the heat, man. It's the summer of extremes. People are dying in the streets, and it's going to be hot, and we can't handle the 100-degree temperatures. It's summertime you know we go through this every single year and this is the way for them to try and uh, just accelerate the paranoia yes I get it the climate is changing it has always changed it's never been stagnant ever it's always done something different every single year because that's just what the climate and the earth does it changes it's never ever ever been stagnant and yet now, it's extremely hot, and then it's really cold. Guess what? It's summertime, and it's wintertime. What a concept. Whoa. Now, again, that doesn't mean that things aren't changing and that we can't try and, you know, make our environment cleaner. Obviously, there's ways to do that. And I've said many times before, as conservatives, we are the conservationists. We'd like to go out and go fishing and not have three-eyed fish based on the chemicals poured into our water. We'd like to actually be able to eat those fish when we catch them at times. I'd like to go hunting for deer and not have a deer with two heads. While that would be fascinating to hang up on my wall, I still don't want to see that when I hunt it, nor would I want to eat that type of meat with tumors. It's not a tumor. So we are the conservationists. As a Boy Scout, what do they say? That you always want to clean up your campground and have it look better than when you got there in the first place. So we are the conservationists. We are the ones that want to make sure that our environment is clean and healthy for us to enjoy. Uh, but at the same time, for us to be blamed constantly about the environment, absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's go to a phone call here quick before we play our next interview, shall we? Line number one, good morning, who's this? 
Hey, fight the power, Andy. Mr. Sean, I, you know what? I try. It's a very difficult thing to do at times, but we sure try. Yeah, me too. You know, I tell you what, Andy, damn it. If I'm not losing classified documents, I'm losing cocaine, man. <laughs> oh, you know, I was at, man. I was at City Hall Thursday morning. Had to take care of some business. And um, on the way to leaving, I had to uh, use the uh, men's room. So uh, after I uh, finished my business, uh, I uh, snored a couple lines of blow off the toilet seat and sure. then went and washed my hands and I left. And uh, apparently I must have left my Coke on the floor of the stall. And um, <clears throat> anyway, yesterday morning, I go to leave to get my coffee and I walk out the door about a quarter to six, you know crack of dawn almost and um man there's cops everywhere i mean everywhere I mean, you got a swat teams out the yin yang that police sheriff dea uh fbi atf uh internal revenue service uh there was a well they want to make sure that you paid your taxes on it when you purchased the product they want to make sure they got their fair share of the taxes yeah, you had the Bomb Squad, uh, Miami Vice, CSI Las Vegas, NCIS Los Angeles, uh, the uh, Women's Flower Garden Committee of Manchester, England. You know, yeah. it was just insane. This guy walks up to me in a suit. He says, I'm Detective Sergeant so-and-so. And he says, uh, did you lose something yesterday morning? And I said, well, I don't believe so. And I said, well, you recognize this bag? And I said, uh, well, I can explain, you know, that's a bag of uh, a, a new type of artificial sweetener. No, see, why didn't you tell them you were just holding it for Hunter? Well, because I uh, I don't like Hunter, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I, he, you know, he said, well, I'm sorry, Craig, it's, you know, it's cocaine that come with us. And I said, well, wait a minute, Detective Sergeant. And I I showed him my voter registration card, and he looked at it, and he says, oh, I'm sorry, sir. Mm. We didn't know you were a Democrat. Mm. Uh, so why don't you have a nice day, and um, uh, I'm sorry to bother you. And Oh, here's your artificial sweetener back. That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've never seen in my entire life, I've never seen such a story like this. And now we're getting the conflicting reports. First, they lied about three different times on where they found the product in the White House. Now they, the Secret Service says they've closed the investigation because they have no leads. They have no. They looked all weekend, that entire weekend where it was found, they looked at all the tour groups, everybody that had been in and out that whole weekend, nothing before that, but they looked through the entire camera footage that entire weekend, didn't find anything. And after saying that they had found fingerprints on it, now they're saying they don't have any fingerprints on it and have zero leads. They're closing the case. They're giving up. It's all completely done. Don't have to worry about it in any way, shape, or form. Man, I tell you, for the most secure building, really not just in the country, but on the face of the earth, if you can bring a bag of cocaine into the White House and get away with it like that, what else in the world are you bringing in, or what could someone else try to bring in there? But again, I guarantee that if someone actually that's not a Biden with the last name tried to do something like that, they'd already be arrested. Oh, yeah. And you know what, Andy? I... Uh... Well, I knew that was going to happen. In fact, early on, I was going to uh, 
try to make a uh, $10 bet with you about how this thing was going to turn out. <laughs> and um, I would have easily won, but uh, it turned out the way I expected, but it just happened uh, sooner than I expected. I mean, 10 days and boom, that's it. But I'm not surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cover up out the yin yang and my number one is uh, Hunter Biden because he's the only known drug addict living there at the White House. Well, it's just weird. It's weird that we would have a known person that uses it, and then the product shows up, and we're like, we don't know where it came from. Like, apparently, we're not that very good investigators, and if that's the case, then how in the world do I feel safe in this country? So, uh, <laughs> Sean, I appreciate it, my friend. we got to take some other phone calls here before we run out of time, but have a wonderful weekend, and you're right. I, I mean, be careful. Don't leave that sweetener around, man. Be very careful with that. You get in trouble there. Let's go to the phone. line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Are you talking to me, Ed? I'm talking to you. How are you, brother? Hi, good. This is Bill. Hey, good to talk hey, to you, my friend. Uh, hey, quick, quick thought, a quick question. Okay. Yesterday on the news, they was talking about thirty-some uh, states didn't have to um, notify parents of these kids with these transitionings in school, mm. and the Kansas was Kansas was one of them. So my question is: Is that true? Do we know? Uh, they were talking about a fifth grader. Uh, that was transitioning or whatever. So I guess yeah. my thought being is if a child is not legal until whatever the statutory rate thing is 16, why is that not the case for this transitioning bull crap going on in these schools? Yeah, that's a great question. So the answer would be we'll get a legislator on to talk about that. Um, as far as I'm aware, there is no specific law in the state of Kansas that says that the school has to disclose the information from, let's say, the school counselor to the parents, especially when it comes to some type of uh, transitioning process where it specifically says that in the law. And I'm assuming that's where they're getting the quote-unquote loophole where they don't have to tell the parents because there's no law that says they have to disclose this to the parents, which is all the more reason why. Now, I would assume that if that is happening, that would be difficult to hide from the parents if your son or daughter is all of a sudden getting hormone treatments or puberty blockers or something to where they're not developing properly. They're going through some emotional states. And if a parent's any way in tune with their parent that or with the kid, then they would notice that in some way, shape, or form. But as far as I'm aware, there is not a law on the books that says that has to be disclosed, which means there is an opening and a loophole, which Democrats love to use to utilize that in some way, shape, or form. But we'll get a legislator on and talk about that in ways that we can try and close that loophole. Well, I appreciate it, and I agree with that comment about the parents paying attention. And as far as the cocaine thing is going, if they'd have said Donald Trump had been in the White House that weekend, they'd have probably found out who's it was. I'm telling you, if Donald Trump were still in the White House, he would have been arrested even – he they would have pulled him out during his vacation and arrested him, and they would have already removed to uh, remove him from office, invoke the 25th Amendment, because there is an illegal drug in that White House. So you're right. There is definitely a double standard in our law enforcement right now. I agree. Thanks for taking my call, hey, Andy. Always a pleasure, my friend. Appreciate that very much. Good information. Yeah, you're right. And that is a cause for concern. If there are schools that are not disclosing this information, now again, I don't know how many children are part of the LGBTQ community or transitioning across the state of Kansas. I can't see that to be very many because nationwide, it's only like a 3 to 4% of the population that's even a part of the uh, movement in the quote-unquote LGBTQ community. Uh, even fewer of those that are actually working through that transition process. But it, that's a great question. Do we have to disclose that? And are the schools disclosing it? And would the uh, actual therapists at the school 
or the uh, counselors actually disclose that to the parents if they are going through that. At the same time, on the national front, they say that the parents are the ones being closed-minded bigots about it and not supporting their children, and therefore they're the quote-unquote child abusers for not supporting their children during a time of need. And that's a whole other conversation that needs to be had. So appreciate that very much, my friend. Super interesting. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Uh, let me grab my interview here. Because for whatever reason, I didn't grant. There we go. So we did not. I wanted to preface this. We did not do this interview ourselves. This was actually done by Wake Up Witch Talk, uh, Jeff Aiken, our morning host, which you can find at weekday mornings from 6 to 8 a.m. Uh, talking about events going on in the community, certain events going on around the state of Kansas. And he sat down with Laura Rainwater, our new Sedgwick County Election Commissioner, to talk about the upcoming primary election set for August 1st and the general election in November as well. And this is what their conversation looked like getting set for election time. Thanks so much for doing what you do there. That's a big job to do. It is a big job, and it's a fun job. You know, that's not a word I'd associate with that, but that's awesome that you're <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, when you think about it, it is a fun job. It's an exciting job. I mean, elections are the foundation of our country. Without our elections, we wouldn't have a representative government. So it, it is fun. You know, you're right about that, and uh, I'm so glad your attitude is like that because, you know, for me, I've been involved in politics for a very, very long time, and that's one thing that I think should be emphasized even more than ever before is election security. And, you know, speaking of that, what do you guys do there to make sure that the elections are fair and secure? We have so many controls in place that ensures our elections are accurate and secure. When it comes to the equipment, all voting equipment undergoes logic and accuracy testing before and after every election. Um, the electronic poll books that are used at, elect at election sites um, to keep track of who votes and where, those poll books are not connected to a voter database and they operate on a closed loop. So, you know, there's no hacking them. Um, so I, elections are secure. We have sign-off, two-person verification on all of our checklists um, and testing protocols requires a minimum of two people. So it's safe. It's secure. Yeah, I'll tell you the experience I had one time. This was in, uh, I believe I was in Texas at the time. And so there were stories, and it really happened, where people would go to a polling location to vote, and they would vote there, then they would go to a a polling location maybe closer to the house even, or maybe it was just down the street from them, and they'd try to vote again, and sometimes they really could do that. Now, this was 20, 30 years ago that this was happening, but I thought, wow, there's got to be a better way to do it than that, right? Right. Well, it can't happen now because once they check in at one polling site, all other polling sites, the uh, electronic poll books are connected to each other through a closed loop. So every other polling site will have noticed that they are, have already voted. Yeah. And the same if they received an advance by mail ballot, you know, when they if they come to the poll on Election Day and try to vote, it notifies us that they've already received a ballot and they would have to vote provisionally. I gotcha. Explain if, if you don't mind. This just came to me. Uh, if you don't mind, explain the provisional ballot casting, if you don't mind. Well, a provisional ballot um, will be required, A, if you go to the polling site on Election Day and you had requested an advance-by-mail ballot, um, so that tells us that you've already received your ballot, 
we aren't going to deny you the chance to vote at the polling site, but we are going to ask you to vote provisionally to see if you had already turned in that advance by mail ballot. Um, if you have moved or changed your address and you didn't get it changed with us um, and you're at the wrong polling site, you would have to vote provisionally if, unless you wanted to go to the right polling site of your new address. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, early voting is underway right now, correct? No, not yet. Um, the advance by mail ballots went out yesterday. So okay. the election season, the election has officially started. People will re be receiving their advance mail ballots today. Um, but early voting starts this Monday here at the Sedgwick County Historic Courthouse. We are open from 8 to 5, Monday through Friday. Uh, the satellite locations then open up on Thursday, July 7th, uh, 27th. Um, we have 11 satellite locations, and the satellite locations will be open from 10 to 7 on the 27th and 28th of July. And then on Saturday, uh, July 29th, they will be open from 9 to 4. Gotcha. Now, is there anything that a listener can do to help with uh, with the election? Is there anything at all we can do? Oh, absolutely. We, I, I will say, um, as far as election workers, we are fully staffed at all of our sites. We have 62 sites open for the primary on Election Day, and we are fully staffed. And we are still accepting applications. Uh, because we always have no-shows on Election Day of election workers. Somebody gets sick or can't make it. Um, so we are still are accepting applications. And we will need election workers for the general election come November. And then there's always next year. We're going to need election workers. We're going to need between 800 and 1,000 election workers for next year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's the presidential year, and it's always a bigger year. Absolutely. Are you surprised by just how few people turn out in a non-presidential year? I am very surprised. So I pulled the numbers from 2021 20, uh, and 2019 and 2015, and it was around 10%. 10%. I would have thought it would have been 25 30%. But in 2019, the last mayoral race, it uh -huh. was 10.2%. Oh, wow. <coughs> wow. Excuse me. So what what can we do about that, you think? Because from a media perspective, I do all I can to talk up elections, try to get people to do elections, inform people about elections, educate people about elections. Uh, what, what, what can be done, you think? You know, I'm not sure. Um, voter apathy is real. Yeah. Uh, unless there's a hot topic like there was last primary. Sure. Um, you know, I... I'm sure your candidates would love to know the answer to that <laughs> question. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, all right. So uh, how can folks get a hold of uh, hold of the office? What can, if they have any questions, who do they need to contact? If they want to receive an advance by mail ballot application, they need to call our office at 316-660-7100. And we will be happy to mail them out an advance by mail ballot application that they will fill out, sign it, return it to us. Um, other than that, uh, be ready to vote and vote early. Uh, you can come down here to the election office starting next Monday, or this coming Monday, actually, the 17th, um, and vote early. That helps take the you know reduce the lines on election day. 
There it is. That was Laura Rainwater, the Cedric County Election Commissioner on Wake Up Wichita, which you can hear Wake Up Wichita with Jeff Aiken every weekday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. going into Brian Kilmeade as they talk about numerous different issues, including uh, things going on in the community, how you can get involved, information on the elections, and so much more. Good stuff right there. All right, we'll take a break. we got one more segment left here. We'll have our chat with the AARP. Also get your final thoughts on some of these other issues going on. Are you ready for the August 1st primary for the mayor's race? Some of the other city council races that are going on that are challenged. I'm telling you, it's going to be a big season, a big election year. Even though it's not the president, it's going to be the ones that actually matter with the ones on the local front making decisions for you. And I think after the COVID-19 pandemic, we've started to realize how important our elected officials really are. Can they lock you down and tell you you can't go to work? Or are they actually going to leave us alone and let us do our own thing? That's the decision you get to make with the upcoming election. Lots more coming up on Kansas Talk. Stay here. All right, change of plan. I didn't realize how late the time already was. Boy, oh boy, it flies right on by. So we're already out of time. We'll have to do our AARP interview uh, next time. Not a big deal. We'll get them on here and get another update real soon. Until then, man, we are out of time. The weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner here on KQAM and out in KIUL, Garden Cities. 12.40 a.m., the big talker out there. We appreciate everybody tuning in, as usual, every single weekend. Next weekend, don't miss it. We have the huge lineup. We have a laundry list of Wichita mayor candidates jumping on the program, and you're not going to miss them. A lot of the uh, quote-unquote front runners in this race, we'll see what they say and their stance on numerous different issues. We'll have some fun chatting with them going into just three weeks away from the August 1st primary, narrowing down those nine candidates down to dose. I'll do some more of that. Until then, make sure to tune in for our syndicated program airing here on KQAM and on KIUL tomorrow evening, 5 to 7 at night. Also, our Voice of Reason weekly program as well. We're just all over the place, man. No, radio doesn't stop. No, we don't take breaks here. That's okay. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio soon.